I know it's not everybody's thing, but that band never stops providing for me. I'll tell you what, it's October 18th, 2021, and that music came from October 29th, 1973, in a track just released this week. It's like one of those things where if I retired tomorrow and no new programs of any kind were ever made for Netflix and HBO... I still could spend the rest of my life just trying to catch up with that. Same with that band, The Grateful Dead. Unbelievable. Always putting out new stuff. Well, that's not true. It's actually old stuff that sounds very new and refreshing to me. But all right, on to medicine. And I want to talk about a study also from this month. This was from the October 7, 2021 New England Journal of Medicine. And the title of the study is Immediate versus postponed intervention for infected necrotizing pancreatitis. So I've talked quite a bit about pancreatitis. I had a whole lecture series on it, and I think one of them was devoted to necrotizing pancreatitis. And this is just a little bit more information in a scenario that's not too uncommon to see. See, we see acute pancreatitis all the time, right, in hospitals. In a minority of those patients, maybe like 20% will develop acute necrotizing pancreatitis. And then if you're even more unlucky and have pancreatic necrosis and then develop something called infected necrotizing pancreatitis, where you actually have a true infection of the pancreatic necrosis, the problems and the lethality continue to compound. An extremely challenging situation for the patient, for the hospitalist, for the GI physician, for the surgeon, and in the same way that school was easier for Shakespeare, because back in his day he didn't have to study Shakespeare, medicine is likewise always getting harder to learn as the amount of information and products continues to rapidly expand. But what's harder than trying to keep up is being in a scenario where you're really not sure what to do, and infected necrotizing pancreatitis often raises such scenarios. And we've learned the hard way throughout treating necrotizing pancreatitis for a very long time, meaning we eventually learned that surgeons going in early on sterile necrotizing pancreatitis is not a great idea in that if you're going to go in at all, you should probably delay surgery to allow for things to cool down and a walling off of the necrosis to occur, which usually takes at least four weeks. And if you do that, you're going to have less or lower surgical mortality. But then the other question is, what if it's not sterile? What if it is infected pancreatitis? And I'm not going to get into how to diagnose that and all that, because I already did that. You can go back to my 2015 lectures on pancreatitis, and I think they probably still hold up. Haven't listened to them, but I'm pretty sure not much has changed. Other than what I'm talking about now, which has changed because now we have some data regarding infected necrotizing pancreatitis to help guide us. And even then, probably not much has changed because a lot of international guidelines have advised also waiting until you have walled-off necrosis, which again, Almost always takes four weeks to develop. I know there are some exceptions, but usually four weeks or more. And then you could decide if you wanted to do an invasive intervention. Now, what's important about this study in the New England Journal of Medicine is a lot of our rationale for 
waiting those four weeks came from a time when you would do an open surgical necrosectomy, a very unforgiving place to be in the body, a very unforgiving organ is to operate on the pancreas, and particularly a very inflamed pancreas. But a controversy with those guidelines has been there have been advances in procedures and open necrosectomy with a surgeon isn't the only thing available. Nowadays, we're much more comfortable using minimally invasive procedures such as catheter drainage, and that's what this study is about. Now, it's important to say that catheter drainage can happen one of two ways. One, you can do it percutaneous, or you can do it endoscopically. And in this study, either one was allowed as that first step. Obviously, everybody with infected, not saying sterile, infected necrotizing pancreatitis gets antibiotics. And in general, if we look at infections, you know, abscesses, things like that, we really like to drain things quick. But again, the pancreas is a very unique area of the body. So when they did this study, you either got immediate drainage, defined as within 24 hours after the diagnosis of an infected pancreatitis, or you waited until things were encapsulated, which can take many weeks. Now, earlier I did say that some guidelines still say to wait, but there are other guidelines that say, now that we got minimally invasive catheter drainage, go for it immediately. And there are pancreatologists out there and GI doctors that felt that is the right thing to do as well. So getting some data on this is extremely important. Obviously, we wanna do the best thing for our patients and as physicians, and nurse practitioners and PAs, we do like to give 100% effort. Always give 100% except when you're donating blood. And it's also nice if you're giving 100% effort to have that correlate with actual evidence-based medicine, not be going against evidence-based medicine. So when we have a trial like this, which is a multi-center randomized controlled trial, it helps us determine if our instinct, and our instinct always in medicine and patient's instinct, is always to do more, more quickly. But yet, this trial did not show that that was a benefit. It did not show the superiority of immediate drainage over postponing drainage. In fact, if you were in the immediate drainage group, it looks like the death rate was a little worse, the new onset organ failure was a little worse, but it really was not statistically significant, so I probably should not emphasize that. Probably not surprising, and something I can emphasize, is that if you were in the immediate drainage group, you underwent more interventions, and that also included follow-up necrosectomies, those open, awful surgeries. And also of major importance is if you waited, meaning you did not do immediate drainage, it turned out of that group, 39% of those patients didn't need any drainage, including catheter drainage. Now, it should be noted that there have been previous retrospective studies that were a little bit all over the place. They supported this trial, some didn't support this trial, but that is why a multi-center randomized control trial is always needed. So this is the best evidence we have to date with this. We could use bigger trials. We always can use bigger trials, right? But everything is 
perspective. Listen, if you watch the movie Jaws backwards, it looks like a shark was donating limbs to disabled people. And I get why some people who do these invasive procedures with catheter drainage endoscopically or by radiology procedures may be frustrated with this trial. And likewise, there's probably some hospitalists that are frustrated. They're like, well, these patients often do so poorly. It feels like we got to do something. I get that. But the best thing to do in these situations appears to be treat them with antibiotics you're going to have a high morbidity. You're going to have a high mortality in these situations. And a high percentage are eventually going to need a procedure of some point. So 35% of the patients in the postponed drainage group. So about a third of patients, the only thing you should do is antibiotics. And then, of course, a lot of patients that were treated with antibiotics will need to go on to some sort of invasive procedure. So there's still going to be a time and a need for those endoscopists and those interventional radiologists for a lot of these patients. We just don't want to set ourselves up to believe some narrative that we must immediately intervene in this patient because it fits certain wants and desires. And sometimes even if observable and measurable science proves people wrong, we still sometimes want to believe those narratives that have been proven wrong. We know this is happening in medicine, social media, all kinds of scenarios. And that's why I appreciate you listening to this evidence-based medicine. And I am Dr. Gil Parat, and I will catch you on the next round.